Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash goddessgray. Now, on to the episode. Hello, hello. Today I'm talking to my friend, Scott Stenholm. He is an Emmy Award-nominated producer and writer who's worked for Larry King, Ron Paul, Meghan McCain, and Bill Maher. Scott has also written for HuffPost, Daily Beast, and Vice. So he's an idiot. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) This is the least experienced person I'm ever going to have on this show. (laughs) Depends on the topic. (laughs) I mean, there are things I definitely don't know anything about. Um, Um, Something he does know about is Christianity and science. Yes. Well, science is a new thing. I I didn't become a science nerd until uh, probably the last, like, five or six years well scott and i got talking because he's obviously he's been aware of what i've been up to with god is gray and we do share a history of being Mm. church going kids yeah and um and also you know with that comes uh, how do you like the villa people vilifying science or not even Mm -hmm. vilifying it but just you know it's well, supposed I mean, to be, yeah, fair. Yeah. It's like anti-Christian for some crazy reason because my personal perspective has always been and will always be that the universe and everything majestic that I learned about in mm-hmm. about space just like further draws me closer to God. It just like yes, further closer draws me closer to God. Right. <laughs> it, you know, I've told you I'm agnostic and I, I grew up, in a Christian household and you know, my, my grandfather was a, a pastor and my grandparents were evangelical um, professors at a Christian university in the South. Yeah. (laughs) Your history runs deep. Yes. In Greenville, South Carolina. One of the things that has drawn me towards science, but specifically space exploration is that there's a spiritual contingent to it. And I am, you know, pathetically ignorant on the science (laughs) front. I'm really Mm -hmm. excited to learn more. And also, yes, I did not have a comprehensive education in that because it is vilified. And most Americans haven't. I think we're 36th in math and science in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That is bad. Not good. Dang. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So how did your, what was your upbringing like? Did you sense God on a personal level or were you just kind of thrust into the environment where you're supposed to believe? I don't know if I, I never felt, um, I mean, it's hard to say, uh, before, at least in my opinion, it's hard to say that, um, you can have a personal relationship with a relation with a religion or a God without, the ability to have free thought and before you hit, you know, you know, cause right around the age of 12 or 13 is when most kids start to realize that they're like, Oh, I have a brain of my own, that it isn't just entirely what my parents say. Mm-hmm. It isn't that it isn't pardon the, uh, the cliche term. It, what your parents say isn't necessarily gospel. And, um, you know, and that was around, you know, the age when, um, I started to sort of uh, push back against going to church and what I was learning there, and I and I, I was always obsessed with um, with history. Mm-hmm. And if I had it, it, the one one of the things that really stood out from uh, my you know sort of hobby of of studying history was the uh, the pain and suffering that religion has caused that organized religion has caused. And so at a young age, um, being so focused on that study, I in turn saw, you know, 
I, I felt that there was uh, that you know there was no place for it, or at least that the good eclipsed that the bad eclipsed the good. Did, was there a specific? you know, movement like the crusades or something. Was there something specific that got you? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, well, there's the very cliche thing where, uh, you know, I grew up in a very, uh, like 95% white Republican conservative town. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I, my freshman year of high school or, or eighth grade, I started to go to a community theater, a couple towns over. And that was a little bit more, uh, middle class mm-hmm. and but it drew people from all over the Chicago area it was a children's theater and I all of a sudden for the first time in my life had friends who were of you know different colors and creeds and religions and social classes and sexual orientation and all of that and um, and as we know uh, the church whatever, you know, it may be, has oftentimes marginalized. Um, they you have? Know, yeah. The, the, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and once it, uh, and once those people become your friends, you know, or the people you're dating or you're interested in romantically, then it, it, even, it even furthered my, you know, no thanks. I'm, this isn't for me. Okay. But I do remember the, the, the night that I decided... I'm I am no longer a Christian. Pray tell. Uh it, we were it was a youth group um thing that we did every Sunday that I loved. I really enjoyed it because I didn't have a ton of friends when I was growing up because I was I was the nerd who brought the newspaper to school and like I wasn't an asshole. Um <laughs> and so um I didn't, you know, um I didn't fit in quite uh well with my in my hometown. Are you telling me you really brought a newspaper to school? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was that kid. Yeah. You're like a cup of coffee. Yeah. Right. Totally. Like I knew what was going on in the Gulf War. Like that's so sweet. Yeah. Well, well look at yes, you now. You say God. that now. Yes. Because yes, as a woman, you think that that is appealing, <laughs> but as, but girls in fifth grade are like, you know, you're gross. Uh, or um, me at like 29. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All the things that I was. Um, I'm like on baby daddy prowse. I'm like, Ooh, that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> all the things that I was made fun of for when I was little, like girls liked in later, like late high school and into college. Yeah. So, um, okay. I just yeah. think it's endearing that you're carrying a paper to school. Yeah. Sorry <laughs> so anyway. to, sorry to interject. Yeah. So anyway, okay. so I, I, we, I would do this, uh, I was, you know, part of this youth group that would do a thing every Sunday, um, that was, um, really, uh, rewarding for me because I was hanging out with kids that were my own age, but I wasn't, I didn't, ha- but the, the clicks of high school wasn't there and, you know, um, uh, or middle school because it was eighth grade that w- wasn't there and like the, you know wasn't filled with all kids that you've grown up with and so I kind of it was a reprieve from that yeah and um so it was like a chance for me to socialize um and I loved it for that and and then one night um the youth pastor said all right everybody, we're going to talk about other religion and all they taught that night was like the most ridiculous religions, Jehovah's witnesses, Mormonism, um, you know, teaching us about magic underwear and, you know, like all the, the, the crazy out there stuff. And, and really it wasn't to truly educate us on other religions. It was really to say, this is why what you believe is and what we believe is right. Mm. And the thing that really, solidified it for me was at the end of the night it it didn't sit with me sit well with me the whole night but at the end of the night um the youth path pastor said now as you go on go forward in your week you know um if you have friends at school that are of another religion or you have um you know you know other kids that you know through sports or or whatever it may be sit down with them and take the time to sit down with them and talk to them about Christ. Mm. And I remember thinking, no, I'm not going to do that. Why? Like I had a friend, Ross, who was Jewish. There were not too many kids that I knew growing up that were anything but Christian. But um, I remember thinking, 
who am I to go up to him and try to convert him over to my side and say, you know, what you believe and what your family believes is, is wrong. There is no way of getting around that religion separates. I mean, it's really interesting because I've been talking to people who felt separated from religion primarily because of sexuality or because of personality. Like I mm -hmm. talked to a lot of people that just felt like they couldn't fit in because they weren't appropriate for the mold. Like, you know, they're not a leader of they're a man or they're not docile and obeying all the time if they're a woman. And, you know, those are the general rubs I hear. And it's really, you know, interesting to me that your life led to being a journalist and really delving into people of all different landscapes and backgrounds and that's always been your passion mm -hmm. which as a spiritual person I would say was like your you know pardon the word but like God-given you know innate mm -hmm. ability to like mm -hmm. and desire to actually like want that and to want to understand people of different walks of life mm -hmm. so I think that's interesting that that's the first thing that really separated you and took you on a different path yeah I you know I hadn't really yeah, I haven't really, uh, like, delved into that um, like you had. And I think that that's pretty spot on. That that is, yeah. Um, and it makes sense because it's just like if you have such a, a massive curiosity about the world and you don't have any desire to right. alienate anyone because of what they believe and you just want to learn, right? that would be offensive to hear. Like, all of a sudden you have to shut down and, and just presume that your way is the right way and right. that... All of a sudden, you can't be listening because your main objective is to convince people of your belief system instead of hearing them out. That's like very counterintuitive to mm -hmm. a natural born journalist right. who's bringing a newspaper to school. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, uh, something that has, uh, you know, really struck me as a, as a casual and serious at times student of history and current affairs and um, global politics and, and all that is that for the longest time wars were fought over uh, land and um, and for pa over power uh, they were fought um, you know because of political ideology uh, and uh, that is rarely the case now the vast majority of wars now are fought over religion the, mm. Most of the conflicts that we find, we have evolved to a point where we rarely invade a country for, now I know there are going to be people who say, you know, we went to Iraq for oil and all that, but um, let's not kid ourselves. Like, they, that's a, that's a Muslim country, you know, and that is a cultural thing. Um, and, you know, it has been, you know, since 9-11, before 9-11, uh, th is, that is the main source of conflict and um, like large-scale bloodshed that we experience today. Whether yeah. it's Shiites and Sunnis, Israelis and Palestinians, uh, that's what um, is the greatest, uh, you know, as far as when it comes to war and physical conflict religion is at the heart of it. And that's the one thing that we haven't really evolved um, from. Like, we're still fighting the, that war. Yeah. Why do you think it is that we can be so evolved and have our own space and have our own territory already on lock and have all the money that we need and right. the power right. and then still be in submission to these, frankly, small ideas, but globally over different different kinds of religion yeah well you know what's what's interesting is that um the world is becoming more secular america especially is becoming more secular and part of the reason why i believe that is is because uh a lot of the things that weren't explained before or that we couldn't explain because we didn't have the answers to um like why does someone get uh, why does someone get cancer or why does the sun go away at night? You know, mm -hmm. we have discovered these things. And um, and we've also solved a lot of the problems that um, used to plague the world, like the plague. <laughs> uh, and with the advent of modern technology and modern science, 
there is less of a role for a religion to play because people either need to turn to it less or um, they, you know, don't believe that the earth was created in seven days so easily um, because they know about evolution. Well, this, so this is the main conflict. The decision of whether you believe that the Bible, the Word of God, is... Interpreted? The divine Word of God. It's uh -huh. like directly from God. He's right. using human beings as a vessel right. to write it. But absolutely nothing in it can be held, you know, with a question mark because right. it is God-breathed. Right. Versus, you know, more and more Christians I know, it's like... And for me, it's the only way that I can remain a Christian and a religious person is because I decided that the writers of the Bible were human beings. Mm -hmm. And even if they were vessels in God, of God, quote unquote, um, that they still have their humanity intact and they still are fallible and they're mm -hmm. still using their, you know, wisdom that they had access to, which is like, you know, the theory that the earth is flat or mm -hmm. that it was created in seven days. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if you're holding really fast to the former and you're like, this is the literal word of God, mm -hmm. you cannot call anything into question. Right. It has nothing to do with culture. It's uh, like right. forever and ever going to be relevant. Mm -hmm. Then you are going to naturally fear science and want mm -hmm. to reject science mm -hmm. because science will continue to <laughs> change that perspective. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, and that's why you see Christians and they can be as intelligent as they want to be. And, you know, you can have an amazing conversation with them on a million subjects and then they'll shut down on evolution and try to argue that it, it's a six, you know, seven day earth. Right. Because they don't want to let go of that foundational idea. Right. And to me, it was kind of, it wasn't easy to submit it because there's a lot of people that yell at you and say you're going to go to hell if you believe the latter, right. that it is not. And I like just to clarify for any Christians listening, I'm not saying that means that the word of God, the Bible is irrelevant mm -hmm. or that you can't glean any wisdom from it. Mm -hmm. But when you're holding so tightly to a literal interpretation, you are going to be voting against policies that protect the earth from right. global warming Absolutely. because you're like being manipulated by the powers at hand to well, like yeah well actually the irony that is actually one area where um the bible kind of uh sides with um science in terms of being good stewards of the earth and protecting God's green earth. Well, that's what drives me crazy because the the verse is man has dominion over the earth. Mm -hmm. And they take dominion to say, so we can do whatever the hell right. we want. And we'll drive our big trucks and we'll eat at McDonald's yeah, no. and we'll slaughter all those cows no. that we've abused. Like, because we have dominion. Yeah, and no. it's like, no, dude, it's not dominion. It's... It's a responsibility. It's a great weight. Like to whom much is given, much mm -hmm. is required. Like mm -hmm. what an honor that we have, quote, dominion over the earth. We need right. to protect it. Right. So that's another reason that gets twisted. You have a lot of, you know, candidates that are, you know, have big oil money in their pockets and they twist that and they're like, don't forget, you have dominion. You don't have to honor the earth. You don't have to believe yes. in science you right. have to hold fast to the bible so the 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 one thing that i find encouraging though is that um here in the united states we are in the only country literally the only country in the world that is not signed on to the paris uh, <laughs> climate agreement I know. and uh nicaragua and syria were holding out for a while but now they're on board so and that we are the only country in the world where one party, which is consists of about 40% of the country, um, you know, so under just under half of the country is either on the fence, doesn't care about, or completely denies climate science. 40%. Well, that's that part, the party. Okay. 
um, the, the majority of Americans believe climate change is real and that it is caused by man-made fossil fuel emissions. But, um, I mean, I never thought I'd see the day where a Pope would be begging a president of the United States to please believe in yes. climate change. Yes. And vote. Right. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> absolutely. That just goes to yeah. show. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, is that we have something unique, um, here that, well, for one, we have a two-party system, which is not the case in mo- in many countries, including many Western countries. So it's literally, you know, this is one of the reasons why when they say we have a polarized political environment right now, one of the reasons that is is because there's literally two sides. It's the red-green, the red team and the blue team. And the guy who um, really is, like, who is the most famous politician you can think of when it comes to climate change and, you know... Uh, that all that it's Al Gore, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and so he's a Democrat, and he was a Democrat who was the vice president to Bill Clinton, who and the Clintons are hated more than anybody when it comes to Democrats um, by the right, and so the guy who was really like standing up and saying this is something we need to pay attention to, unfortunately, if it had been someone who was considered more neutral or Mm. wasn't on the other team, it probably would have carried more weight. That said, I don't even know how much help that would have been because like you said, um, the, the oil industry is a huge influence and pharmaceutical companies and chemical companies have a huge influence over, um, one of the parties. And, and the other thing, and you touched on this before is um, that science threatens religion and organized religion and um, the power of God um, as the way it's been taught. I mean, if you go back all the way to Galileo, Galileo was, um, he, he had to go in front of the church and plead for his life. Yeah, tell the story because this is something maybe not a lot of people know. This is the first big like contested issue right. between science and the Bible. Yes. Yeah, so, the, so back then, um, the the church had basically proclaimed that Earth was the center of the universe. That we were, the, and we and, would think that right. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, uh, Galileo had discovered that. Turns out we are not. Mm-hmm. We are not the center of the universe, um, the, and the universe is much more vast than. What we... year is this about? Oh God, this was pro- this was during uh, this is just before the Renaissance, so we're talking about like the fifteen hundreds, I want to say, but I'm really bad with dates. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, look it up at home. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he had you know Galileo had had, had you know he. Um, invented the uh telescope essentially and he discovered all these planets and and you know he was looking into the milky way and he by calculation and um you know hours upon hours you know hundreds and thousands of hours of studying that we are not the center of the universe and he started to proclaim this and uh and and spread this word and the church was a in an uproar um and so, you know, thus began uh, really the the constant struggle between science and religion henceforth. Yeah, so in this it says Galileo, his opponents pointed the Bible passages with statements like, quote, and the sun stood still and the moon stayed in Joshua ten thirteen. This is not an isolated occurrence. Right. Psalms 93 and 104 and Ecclesiastes 1.5 also speak of celestial motion and terrestrial stability. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that's why he was so contested right. by the church in that moment because that was the first major conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> it has continued to this day. And um, you see that... A lot of the time when you ask someone who denies climate change, uh, why do you, a lot of the times you will hear an answer along the lines of only God can change the weather. Yeah. And 
that is just not true. <laughs> that we we know this to be, um, we know this to be uh, the the case because, I mean, we are talking about a science that science is not always, um, you know, there is not always a consensus when it comes to science, different sciences. I mean, thank God scientists have more humility than religious people because they're at least always in constant search and like constant understanding that they might be disproved. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Like, I wish we had the humility as religious people. Yes. That said, I've, I know a few NASA scientists who have healthy egos. Um, (laughs) and and a couple and several doctors that certainly do. Um, but I, I equate it to this is that if you went to one of the best hospitals in the country or in the world, if you went to University of Chicago or the Mayo Clinic or wherever, and um, 97, and we're talking about that's probably lowballing it, 97% of the doctors in that hospital said, you have cancer. You need to start chemotherapy yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then you it, it, to deny climate change is like turning to those doctors and saying nope you're biased the jury's still out i'm good but unfortunately um the person who is it isn't just one person you're not self-inflicting it you're now inflicting it on everyone else and the united states is one of the largest producers of fossil even though we don't have um nearly near the you know we have a fraction of the population of the world we produce um uh, just under china more fossil fuels than anybody we produce way more trash than anybody and we're contributing to the downfall of our environment um almost as much as anybody except for possibly china and the and the large reason why that is is because of half the country um or now under half um is, has a political they attach um, climate change as a political issue mm-hmm. not as a scientific issue and um, that is truly um, a, a tragedy and uh, you will see I don't know um, when did you move to California I've been here like 16 years okay same yeah. yeah about the same mm-hmm. Um and I remember when I when when I you know when we were first here, you rarely could see the mountains, like in the distance. Now you could see the mountains usually, and the reason why that is is because the the lawmakers in Sacramento passed laws so <laughs> that made it so you could like your car could only admit so much, and you know they put uh, restrictions on industry and and you know, uh, chemical companies and all that. And now you can see better. It's not nearly as smoggy in LA as it used to be. Yeah. I mean, it just blows my mind that there could be someone even listening right now that thinks we're both being conspiratorial about this. Right. And well, here's the thing. Let me, I got into this, actually. I, I rarely respond to people on Twitter, but um, I had posted something about this most recent uh hurricane that hit the gulf Mm -hmm. and it was the largest hurricane to ever hit the third largest hurricane to ever hit the u.s mainland we keep having these storms that they say only happen once every hundred years we're having them now like every three years Mm -hmm. but um it was a category one low category one uh on a tuesday i think or whatever and then by thursday when it hit and it didn't go a far distance it was nearly a category five and uh one of the reasons why that is is because the water is so warm and warm water is thinner and it create it's basically fuel and that's why these storms have been so vicious and um you know this this kid um responded and i said you know and i had said as people often do when they're talking about this that the that there is a consensus out there it is a it, the, the jury's in 90 seven plus percent of all scientists around the world believe this and he said well i'm sure they're not biased in a sarcastic way yeah which to your point that there are people thinking that what we're saying is a conspiracy if 
if if if if our conspiracy is that every government around the world except our current one and every scientific community around the world for not just at present day but for the last 30 or 40 years believes that climate change is a dire threat to our way of life that we are in massive trouble if all of these governments and all of these scientists all around the world have been are are, are they then we are pulling off the greatest global conspiracy <laughs> in the history of man and i'm just like oh, get, like get logical for a second at who stands to gain more the people that are begging us to cut down that are begging us to find alternatives to fossil fuels and alternatives to all of the things that have been causing this destruction or the people that are in the fossil fuel industry that just happen to be in the pockets of the politicians that are telling you that we are offering a conspiracy theory i'm just like can you please step back for one humble second and ask yourself who has more to right. gain or lose? Like, you know, people that are on this mission to try to convince us have so little to gain from it. And not only that, but it could create brand new jobs, brand new opportunities. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, the, um, clean energy jobs are skyrocketing if they're given the chance. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons why Trump had done so well is because he said, oh, Obama killed all these coal jobs in, like, Western, you know, West Virginia and all that. And uh, the truth is, is that he had very little to do with it. One of the reasons why um, coal is, uh, is dying is because... Because um, it should? Well, yes, because it should, but also because automation, for one... Um, and because we don't, we have, it, it, it's not, a, it's not an efficient thing anymore. And, and it, it doesn't like the, the world, it, it's not good when China is, we're talking about an authoritarian, dictatorial, <laughs> human Sexy rights, leader, atrocity. Sexy yeah? Leader, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, they're they're killing us when it comes to like solar panels and renewable energy and you know all that. And the thing is, is it's it makes economic sense, you know. Even if you don't care about your children, or your grandchildren, it makes economic sense right now. It doesn't if you are a coal miner in West Virginia. Okay, but you know what? Eventually, we got rid of the horse and buggy too. You gotta evolve, mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately. Um, the world in many respects, but certainly the country is being held hostage by an ideology um, of, you know, the minority. Yeah. And I can't stress enough that I am a Christian woman that, I mean, I believe that that call to be a good steward of the earth and to protect this place is everything. Mm -hmm. I get so emotional, you know, when I... I cry probably once a week over factory farming. I can't help it. It just keeps making me cry every time. And I just feel so overwhelmed by the destruction that I see. And I'm in the fashion industry. So, and that's the second largest pollutant in the entire world. Really? Um, Yes. How did I not know that? I don't know. Wow. Um, Yeah, it's the second largest pollutant. Because of leather? Is that... Because of everything, they're they're like, um, you know, dying garments in lakes that are polluting and like entire right. like communities' right. water source, right. and they are packaging. I'm sure is a huge. Oh my god, plastic packaging yeah, on everything, right, and right. just inhumane treatment of animals. You know right. the the industries aren't even aligned. Like the cows they're skinning for your leather aren't the same cows that you're eating for food. They're not even. You know, everything is just done with such blatant yeah. disrespect and like, and a lack of care. There's also child labor, you know, with H&M, Forever 21, yeah. Gap, like Nike. all of the, they're mm-hmm. still getting away with it. And it, yeah. it blows my mind. And I'm like, 
sorry to be such a sensitive soul, but I feel that I'm aware of that every. Isn't it funny that that that's that this this is the new normal now that 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 having empathy or sympathy for things like the earth or child labor or things like that is um is considered soft (laughs) well you know what i do have to humbly admit that i come from you know philly and jersey and i was raised on cynicism (laughs) not by my parents but by the culture of those places it's just like you know you would like i remember seeing you know like hippies that had like dirty hair and they look like scumbags and they're the ones like throwing red paint on beautiful white fur coats and my perspective coming from that place Mm -hmm. i will let you guys know if you're on the other side of this conversation like i feel you i remember thinking like oh they mess up a perfectly beautiful coat like that coat was dope yes it's just like um i i I totally agree. Not only entitlement, but just also like... um, You're not going to change hearts and minds that way. No, not at all. No, not at all. An an aggressive approach is never going to work at all. But also just like the general cynicism of it was just always like, oh, fucking hippies. Like, it's just... Well, yes, because of the approach. This this is one of my... my, I'm I'm just barely outside of um, the millennial generation. Um, but I'm close enough that I know so many people within it and I'm young enough that I'm, I'm, you know, when I live in Los Angeles and all, it is infuriating to me that, um, I was watching, um, this, uh, this guy, um, I can't remember his name. Anyway, it was a conservative, um, guy who's really popular on YouTube and whatnot. And he was going to, uh, he was at a, uh, uh, a very liberal, a largely liberal university in New Hampshire. And there were people, there were these kids who... You're not, I'm talking about Ben Shapiro, are you? Yes, it was, ben, okay. it was Ben... No, it wasn't Ben Shapiro. It was the other guy who I've actually worked with in the past, and I can't think of his name. Watch me on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of his name. <laughs> anyway, um, but it was like a Ben Shapiro type. Uh, and this this happens to these guys a lot, where um, they they go to these universities and, or they go speak somewhere and people just stand up and they start yelling things. Mm. And they, um, like there was, you know, a couple of people who who stood up and just started yelling black lives matter over and over and over and Mm. over and over Mm -hmm. and over and over over again. And he was saying, and and I don't agree with the vast majority of the things that this guy believes or says, and we have different perspectives on it, but their tactic, their approach is um is so counterproductive yeah and um he he was saying like yes i i agree black lives matter and yes okay you've said it 40 times we got it and there is this um as much as the right infuriates me and and um you know and i and i don't relate to um you know the conservative culture in this country largely the left especially the younger left is going off their fucking rocker. And it is amazing to me that at Berkeley university, they are burning things Mm. and turning over police cars and getting into fistfights when a, because a conservative speaker comes to campus to speak and you know where they were doing it? Like most famously was in the, uh, center of the university that was named after Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And like this whole like punch a Nazi blah, blah, blah yeah. thing or whatever. And then as you and I were talking earlier over dinner, um, less than half of millennials voted <laughs> in 2016. Yeah. So it amazes me the outrage level that they have and how quickly they can get pissed off if you do not believe exactly what they believe and and they will just silence you or you know this this you know this this inability to affect change in a intellectual way 
Yeah, and I think we, I hate us versus them mentality, and it's very prevalent in all kinds of situations. They they want you to already agree with them. They have no interest in discussing anything with you, because if you say something that offends them or is counter to their ideology, then you need to go away. Mm -hmm. And all that does is push people into their corners, and nothing will get done. Exactly. Yeah, we all need to be listening to each other. And the thing that is so important to acknowledge is unless you are like an actual diagnosed narcissist or psychopath. Right. We or president of the United States. Have- <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Dad, I know yeah. you're listening. Yeah. Um, we- My dad too. Yeah. <laughs> we have general, you know, our our aspirations for our family, for our well-being – for our livelihoods and the livelihoods of our children are similar, like the same. You know, if you yes. sit across from a table right. with someone, right. it's like, so what do we do have in common? Oh, it is a desire for both of us to succeed, a desire for us both to be happy, to lay down in a warm bed at night, yep. to kiss the people we love, to be free, to mm-hmm. speak freely, to act freely. Um, you know, in the parameters that are appropriate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, there's so many more commonalities than not. And that's the sad thing that people aren't realizing. And that's a huge part of the voice that I hope to add to any conversation, which is that I am a Christian. I'm coming from a Christian perspective. Mm-hmm. And yet I will always vote Democratic as long as this abortion and LGBTQ issue is happening. Because even if I got really wealthy and, you know, the Republican stance made more sense to me fiscally, Mm -hmm. I still couldn't back it because I know that voting against abortion or uh, choice rights causes way more abortions. Statistics are one Google away from showing you, you know, what kind of results this has. So... You know, those issues of like being a humanitarian are so much more important to me. And I think they're important to all of us. And if we could just calm ourselves and see where we really lie in our politics and who is actually serving our greatest desires, Mm -hmm. then, and especially with what we're talking about, I really want to get back to though, like, the science element of things yeah, because <laughs> I really want, yeah, I know we're getting all heated, mm-hmm. but um, I just think it's, it's fascinating that we don't feel comfortable or welcome as Christians to really dive into science. But you and I were talking about how you were introduced to all these amazing scientists at NASA yes. and it started really actually surprisingly opening you back up to the spiritual side of things. Yes. Yeah. So uh, about five years ago, I was at home in Chicago, actually, and I was reading um, this article in USA Today, which was like, I think, below the fold and kind of small. And it was saying, it was talking about how we've discovered, like we discovered, NASA had announced we discovered like five new planets in the last month or something. And... I was and I and I was reading it. It was so fascinating, and it was just incredible the technology and 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 you know when we were growing up, there were eight planets. That was it. And since uh, Kepler, since the Kepler Space uh, Telescope has gone up, the spacecraft has gone up. We've discovered thousands of planets. I did not even know. Yes, I mean it is. That shit crazy. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to tell you something that, uh, so anyway, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, so, um, so I read this and then I, I started to do uh, my own research on it and I was never like a science nerd. I've always been like an English and history guy. And then I, I, which is I, what turned you off to religion in the first place, but now we're getting into more of a spiritual. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, so I had um, uh, so I read this article and I was learning about how we were uh, discovering all these planets and and it was and it was wildly underreported. I remember reading that article and thinking, how is this not the biggest story of the year, of the mm. decade, even of the century? I mean, we are discovering planets that 
are that with our current technology, if we left tomorrow, would take 600,000 years to get to. That's how vast the universe is. And we are discovering planets, and we are discovering planets that are um, in the habitable zone, which is the sweet spot between not too far from a, uh, a star or sun, but um, not too close, so it's not too hot, not too cold. Mm -hmm. That very cold well dogs. could... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, I think they do call it that. Um, oh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, and so we are discovering planets that very well will have life. Um, we just don't have the technology to get there to test it so far. But um, so when I got hired at Larry King as a producer, um, we had, uh, you know, we had a, my executive producer was very great in, in letting us um, kind of champion things that we wanted to discuss. We just, you know, we interviewed lots of celebrities and things like that, but we'd also do issue driven stuff. And I went into him one day and I said, look, I want to, um, get a couple scientists in from NASA, uh, specifically this one uh, scientist who's the chief exoplanet discovery scientist for um, for them. One night, I was by myself in my apartment uh, talking to this NASA scientist for an hour, mm -hmm. and the the craziest thing that I got from this conversation with him was that based off of the Kepler telescope going um, up over the last, you know, 15 years or so, we've discovered, like, Kepler itself has discovered over, I think, 1,500 to 2,500 new planets. And it's looking through, a, like, if you were to look up at the, at the, uh, the night sky, mm -hmm. um, like, at the Milky Way, which is where um, Kepler's going, and you look through a straw, that's what it's seeing. Like, and only going straight out into space, like at a continual, in a, in a continuous line. It's seeing the, the it, it's discovered thousands of planets within that straw hole, okay? So based off of um, the development of technology when it comes to uh, telescopes and, um, you know, the use of mathematics and what they've found with Kepler and, and, and other um, avenues, uh, they NASA estimates that it is a mathematical certainty that for every star in our solar system alone, so like from from Earth, we can see two hundred billion stars. Like if if there was no pollution and we were able to, we had like a bug's eye and could see every star. There's two hundred billion stars visible from Earth, and they estimate that there is one to two planets per star out there within our galaxy alone. That's not the universe. So within our galaxy. So that means that there are two to 400 billion planets out there. And that's just within that section of space. If you expand that to the universe, we're talking about the possibility of trillions of planets out there. And really, we only knew of eight. Right. And that is, that's, I think, arguably the most crazy aspect of this, you know. I do think it's a tragedy that I am hearing this right now. It is. It is. But Because but I'm pretty, like, in the know. I try to educate myself as much as possible. I keep up with the It's news. my job to know this stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it until, like, up until, like, five years ago. And I'm still learning more and more about it. Yeah. Um. But and, and so I said to um, him, you know, this is towards the end of the conversation. I said, OK, so, well, the obvious follow up question is, is with that many planets out there, do you believe there is life out there? And do you believe that it's possible that there is intelligent life out there? And he said, um, you know, I am historically religious. I'm a Christian. Um, which is actually kind of rare in the science community. Um, uh, but I believe I don't, I don't guess as a scientist, I have to go off of mathematical and scientific certainties or the absolute, the very, very best hypothesis. And he said, I am, there is no doubt in my mind, no question whatsoever that there is absolutely intelligent life out there. Mm. That there is no way, there is mathematically no way with that many 
with as vast as space is, with the amount of planets that there are out there, the amount of possibilities for civilizations, there's no possible way. And so... I mean, you're drawing me back to Galileo again because, you know, that whole notion like presupposed that we are the most important. We are the center. Right. Right. So it do, it is kind of mind blowing right. and, and potentially also, scary. Let's, to let's hear. not forget that Jesus came down to Earth, and that you know uh, all of these things were supposed to, supposedly happened at Earth, and we have holy sites around the world. You know, mm-hmm. there's Mecca and Jerusalem, and you know, um, and whatnot. And so, so Earth itself has been a steward for gods and religion, no matter who you are. Um, you know, the Dalai Lama lives in, on earth, the, the, you know, Muhammad and I mean, you name it. There's, there's, um, even if we're talking about native Americans, you know, sun gods, you know, and, um, now we know that there's billions of suns out there. And so what do you do with that information either as a religious person or a secular person? And, um, it is, you know, it, it, again, this is sort of like the modern day battle that Galileo had to deal with in, in some way or another. And, um, you know, it is, it is wildly frustrating that we trust scientists when they say an earthquake hit off the coast of Costa Rica and it was a 5.1 and we go, yeah, how'd you know that? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Or yeah. like, you know what? There's going to be a, a Category 5 hurricane that's going to hit New Orleans and it's going to be catastrophic. You better get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and turns out that was the case. Or, hey, we know how to cure polio. Mm-hmm. So scientists have like been lauded and basically made the world turn. Um, maybe that's a bad example. <laughs> they basically made the world um, livable. Turn without polio. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Yet, when it comes to certain things, um, we are basically calling them frauds or liars. There are people that are scared of that because the foundation I'm standing on might crumble if you walk through my door. And it's like, no, how about you listen to Scott? And he's illuminating something to me that I never knew before. And all of a sudden, I'm going to go into my bed and be like, my prayer can just be different. I'm like, yo, God, have you manifested Jesus in different planets? Like, mm-hmm. are there other planets you're doing the same thing? Like, are we going to get to another realm and there's just a party between us and aliens? Like, mm-hmm. I think that should be exciting. Why is that right. scary? That's like really freaking interesting. And right. by the way, sorry, but these are facts. It yes. comes to a point where you're yes. presented a factual thing like global warming or like the existence of other planets, right. potentially the existence of other life forms mm-hmm. on different planets. Mm-hmm. Stop resisting. Not to mention, you know, uh, as as lauded as God is, let's, and let's keep it just to, you know, uh, the Christian God, um, to think that he is just that he just created earth and that's it. And that, that were it, you know, seems very limiting to an all powerful being. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, if you can wrap your head around God, yeah, that's really disappointing. Like to your right, point, right. It's like, yes. Why should I, yes. as like a 30 yes. some year old idiot on planet earth in Los Angeles, be able to even touch, right. right. And, you know, and when you also, when you go into quantum physics, mm-hmm. you know, or you look at something like the central nervous system, yeah. like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I am the reason why I'm agnostic and not atheist because I find atheism almost not as, but almost <laughs> limiting as, um, and small minded as someone who is a super far right wing religious nut you know i find that is just as like that bill maher and i used to we agreed on on a lot of things but one of the things that we would always argue that we often argued about was the fact that 
I thought that I thought that his stance is at being an atheist or Richard Dawkins is an atheist, which is you are born, you uh, you live, you die, you're eaten by worms. That's it. Mm-hmm. So you're not leaving open the possibility of how the fuck we got here. Like you, that's you're just so your your whole like you know belief system is based off of science and that there's nothing out there. You are so arrogant that you can tell me that there's nothing out there. That you know that for sure. <laughs> what Bullshit. did Phil say? I mean, he... I, I don't remember usually um, because I was saying it in a much nicer way because I didn't <laughs> want to lose my job. But, um, <laughs> you know... Um, I mean, Well, it you goes know. back to the, the same rub that I have. If, you, if you're not embracing wonder and you just know, like... Right. Like you're saying, I'm sorry, but who are you to know? That's right. crazy to say. Now, there you know. are absolutes. There are things that are black and white. If, if someone, if, if I hear, you know, if you hear someone say black people are inferior to other races, that is a hundred percent concrete wrong. We can say for certain that there is no wiggle room in that argument. But if, you know, you are someone who is against abortion and, and the person next to you is pro-choice, like I am a bleeding heart liberal tree hugging Democrat. But I get why people think that maybe, you know, abortion is not okay. You know, like Mm -hmm. I respect that position, you know, and to limit yourself like in any way um, on so many things, you know, um, and I see this happening both on the right and the left, increasingly scary to, uh, to the point where it's scaring me on the left. Um, it, it's, it's so um, counterproductive to creating actual change and making the world better. So what's the solve to this? What is the, like, what kind of advice would you give to Christians that are pondering, you know, someone that wants to stay faithful to their practice that maybe doesn't want to... <laughs> you know, challenge and buck the system too much, but Mm -hmm. still wants to embrace a bit of wonder or thoughtfulness or go on some kind of scientific or political exploration, whatever. Like, what do you think? I would look for, and with modern technology, this is not difficult. It's a simple Google search. Look for people who are Christian and who also are scientists or who are you know, um, that aren't in your bubble necessarily, but that, um, that have already expanded their worlds and see how, you know, um, and use them kind of as a beacon. And then you can use that kind of as, as a jumping off point. And then you also don't feel like you're alone because a lot of the times this is a tribal instinct is you feel like, cause everyone else surrounding you, you know, is, you know, telling you don't think that way. This is how it is. If you think else, you know, uh, otherwise, then you are in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you can, like, search and find people who are devout Christians, but also, you know, are in the scientific community or are, you know, of a different political belief, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, most of the members of Congress who are, who are liberal Democrats are also Christian. So, um, you know. Yeah, and I always say just, like, trust yourself, too. Mm. Like, believe in your own foundation that you have built, not in the way that you have to stand by every, like, thing you've ever heard or every principle you've ever grabbed onto but the foundation of like your heart whatever Mm. makes your heart skip a beat and for me that's always been Jesus because I'm a nerd (laughs) but like you know I never actually was scared that I would lose that Mm -hmm. never I mean humble enough to understand that I should be vigilant and not be like disrespectful of that you know ideal or anything but at the same time I just didn't fear. I was like, oh, you're Buddhist. What's up? Let me hear. Right. Oh, you're a scientist. What's right. up? What do you hear? And you're allowed to 
reject or accept whatever you want. Like you still have freedom to choose like what resonates and what doesn't because not everyone you encounter is going to be right. Not everyone's going to be wrong just because they're of the wrong, you know, right sector of the world or whatever. Just, you know, it, 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 the thing that amazes me the most about, especially the younger people these days is that the irony that, they want to silence everybody that they don't agree with. The irony in that is that it is the fastest way to be counterproductive to your cause. Because the only way that you will affect change is if you get people who don't believe in who who don't believe the same things you do to believe a little bit of what you do. And the only way you're going to do that is is by having a conversation and an open dialogue and conversing. But finding you, common ground. Finding common ground. And if you immediately shut them out and say, go away, shut up. Like, I can't tell you how many times I have been, like, just on Twitter or something, and I've had, you know, a quote-unquote liberal person not want to hear my perspective because I'm a straight white male. Yeah. And, like... <laughs> You know, if you are not going to interact with straight white males or listen or have a dialogue with straight white males, now granted, I get it. We've had it good, you know, and things have to change. But if you want them to come over to your side or people who, you know, are ideologically messed up that happen to be straight white males, telling them to shut up and go away isn't going to do it because all they're going to do is retreat to their corner and they're going to be awful in that corner. Or by the way, you're one of the good ones, but when you, I think especially when you find the straight white male that is a problematic person that does have problematic ideals, yeah. that's even more of the time where you should 100%. be like, hey, that's let's the find person some you should be down. hanging out with. Yeah. That you want to get, you want to change the world, don't hang, don't go to your safe space. Mm-hmm. Go and hang out with people who don't think like you. The reason why. Cities are so progressive. You know, my dad and I had this conversation. He's He voted for Trump. He's, a, you know, a conservative guy. Uh, the reason, you know, I said, Dad, why do you think um, cities are so liberal? And he's like, well, you know, he listed all kinds of terrible <laughs> reasons. But, and I said, Dad, it's because when I go to the bank, you know, when I step out the do- like my front door, I'm going to run into people who are gay, who are straight, who are transgender, who are black or white. Literally every type of person mm-hmm. I could find in this in Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, London, wherever. It is a it, it is a true melting pot of every kind of walking uh, uh, person who walks the earth. And when those people are around you that much on a day-to-day basis, they become your friends, they become sometimes your family, they become your love interest, and then all of a sudden, the uh, they are not this unknown. They are not the other over there. Mm. And that is something that liberals especially, that they need to remind themselves. You want equality for everyone. So, like, you cannot just shutting people out is is gonna it's gonna it's gonna be wildly counterproductive i worry about where we're going i know (sighs) well (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) on that depressing yeah on that depressing note are you so you're agnostic do you still feel do you feel spiritual lean at all now that you've like embarked upon these conversations with People at NASA and looked at space. Oh, I, absolutely. It's made me more spiritual. Mm-hmm. I mean, because once once I started learning about how vast the universe was, it, it, it made me believe even further that there has to be something. There has to be something out there. I, but at the same time, I'm 100% comfortable not knowing what it is. That's fair. I like it. Everyone should get comfortable being uncomfortable. I think that's the best place to be. Yeah. 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 That's where you can really be powerful. It's where you can really learn. Mm-hmm. You can really grow. And you can really meet people outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Be uncomfortable, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, can I say one more thing before we go? Sure. Okay. 
um, because we talked about a lot, a lot of heavy stuff. Um, the favorite thing um, that I've learned in the last few years is that if you live on Earth at this point in time mm-hmm. in the history of uh, humankind, in the timeline of history, this is the best time to be alive. That this is, there's, there is less disease, less um, premature death, less crime, less income inequality than at any other time, less disease, less war than at any other time in the history of the world. It seems like things are really bad when you watch the news and you're on Twitter or whatever, but in reality, we're doing a lot better. We have a lot to improve on, but there's reason to be positive. That's a very positive note to end on. I love that. Yeah, don't get all riled up and discouraged and sad because that Mm. that is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you again to our wonderful guest. It was my pleasure. Um, Would you be open to people following you on Twitter or communicating with you in any way? Totally. Yeah. How can they reach you? Um, I'm on Twitter, at Scott Stenholm. Um, Yeah. I got a little... S-T-E-N-H-O-L-M. I've got a check, so I'm the one with the check mark. Oh, wow. I'm that, I'm that douchey. We've got a check mark yeah. in the house. Yeah, but I have like 1,700 followers, so I have, <laughs> it's, it, it means nothing. <laughs> I'm speaking into the void. <laughs> All right. Well, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening.